0: One's from the trailer park, one's from
1: the farm,
0: rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms, taking life with a grain of salt and light, living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time, nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote, two stand-up comics with stories from the road, we're cutting up.
1: Loving, laughing, we're having a good time Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay and I'm here with my co-host, Hannah Hogan. Hello, hello. And we're excited to be here. We've had uh, quite a fun week. Um, I don't know if I talked about this last week or not. I can't remember a lot going on, but I had a show at Zany's. And that show was a success was very fun I had a lot of people, a lot of people come out in the audience uh, All the comics did really well I had Aaron Weber I had Sarah Fye I had Kiefer Thompson And I had Mike James on the show And it was very fun They did very well And that was last Wednesday um, And very fun
0: Well congratulations on
1: your success Thank you it was a very exciting show. And then, unfortunately, my July 17th show is going to be canceled at Zany's. Hopefully moved, but I doubt it because I have one on August 6th. So if we move it back a week, then that's going to put the next one within two weeks of it. So we may just have to miss July. Which is sad, but I have a very busy July. I'm going to a lot of places. I'm doing a lot of things. I can't say about the July 17th yet, but it is. I know
0: what it is though. But
1: it is exciting, and then you know, also get to do July. I'm, you know, I'm going back to LA to do some things, and I'm, I'm going to uh, just for laughs in Montreal again because of the variety thing. Uh, so all very exciting. A lot of things coming up, but. So, get ready, you know, get some tickets for that August thing because it's popping off and the show is hot. This podcast will probably not come out until Wednesday morning. We're recording it on Tuesday, but it'll come out on Wednesday, July 3rd. Tonight, uh, or if you're listening last night, I will have done the Grand Old Opry. I will not, I thought about. Just recording this as if I'm recording on the 3rd and pretending as though it went really well, but I thought, that's not what you want to do. No. <laughs> and, uh, but I am doing the Grand Ole Opry tonight, but like I say, you'll be listening. That will be tomorrow. But I'm getting an extra four minutes tonight. I've Throughout my time there, I've been getting eight minutes. Tonight, I'll be getting 12.
0: Wow. Very What are you going to do with that extra four minutes?
1: Well, uh, I don't want to say. Oh. Uh, but, well, I'm going to do comedy. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah.
0: I, mean, I thought maybe you'd juggle
1: No, no, I'm just gonna just gonna stick with the comedy. I'm not gonna try any new gimmicks. Okay. Out tonight.
0: I got a puppet in the closet if you need it. Well you, bring you never know. Ventriloquist.
1: I thought about that. There were times in my road comedy career where I thought if things don't start happening soon, I'm gonna get a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> because Really? No. I did I did think that, but never seriously. I was at I was working the Greensboro Comedy Zone and the manager or owner of that club came to me after my weekend, which my weekend did not go very well there. This was years ago, but it didn't go very well. And she said I he said uh Yeah, the la- the guy here last week had a puppet. He crushed. <laughs> I was like, "Okay. Yeah. All right then. That's that's
0: that's the truth in some places." Yes. You know? Also, sometimes, you know, I think there's some comics that do a lot of puns, and usually they don't do well, or you kind of get some groans, but every once in a while, you'll see a comedian with a hot five minutes of mostly puns, and they just, the audience is like, this is exactly what we want.
1: Yeah. You know? I know. It's so strange. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I make fun of, like, puppets have become kind of the joke to make fun of puppet comics, right? But I remember when I was a kid, and I first saw a guy with a ventriloquist, I was like, that's pretty awesome you know what I mean like it's not awesome now because we've seen it so much and it's you know but it was pretty awesome at the time
0: yeah I'm kind of like never been impressed but I'm like I can see his mouth moving
1: but sometimes you can I mean Jeff Dunham
0: you can can, no, but you can see it in his throat it's just it's so obvious it's the worst kind of magic
1: well I mean it's obvious that he's doing it because also puppets can't talk yeah, but you see his throat move, but yet the puppet is talking, and then it's full on voices, and his mouth is closed. That's pretty amazing. Mm-mm. It's pretty amazing. You're like, you're like, no, I know that you're doing it, and it's like, yeah, I know he's doing it too because his hand is up the back of the puppet, and puppets can't talk.
0: Yeah, that's why I just don't get it.
1: <laughs> this is not Pinocchio here.
0: No. It would be way cooler if he came out and he wasn't in any way touching the puppet, and the puppet was talking on its own.
1: Right? Yeah. Of course, I mean, that would be cool. If you mean if if someone could create a puppet and give it life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if the puppet master were God. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah.
0: I want some sentient puppet puppets.
1: Yeah, you mean a robot?
0: No, I want I want Pinocchio. Okay. Yeah. Well.
1: I mean, I'll give it to you. I mean, that would be very impressive. Yeah. I will say. I mean, I won't argue with that. Yeah. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get into the where we've been, where we're going section. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been.
0: Where we're going, where we've been.
1: Friday, I went down to Hartwell, Georgia. I went with Aaron Weber. Uh, to the Lonnie Burns uh, Performing Arts Center, Fine Arts Center. And it was great. We had a good time. And uh, I had been there before. Last time I went, I opened for James Gregory, a comedian that I've been a fan of for a long time. And, but I did really well there, and they wanted to bring me back to do their annual comedy show. And as we pulled into the town, there was a sign for me at the beginning of the town we stayed at a cabin at Katachi, Katichi, uh, Katichi uh, Golf Resort. We stayed in a cabin. I did a Resort Dusty video for the, for the cabin. It was a lot of fun. The show was great. Although they invited me out to the, they were like, this after party is going to be happening at a brewery in town. Now, I don't drink. So, but they were like, the food is really good. And I was like, awesome. And so, You know, me and Aaron, we get wrapped up. We get in the car. We don't go back to the cabin. We just go straight to the place. We show up, and they were like, oh, yeah, we shut the kitchen down. And so there's no food. They're like, what can we get you to drink? I'm like, I don't drink. And they were like, oh, okay. The kitchen shut down. So I was like, I couldn't drink. I couldn't eat. I was just standing around kind of looking like an idiot. Aaron left immediately to go get cigarettes. And I'm just standing in the middle of the thing like, Okay, now I don't know what to do. So I just left.
0: W- were there people around? There was
1: tons of people, but I didn't know who was at the show and who wasn't. You yeah. Know? One guy came up to me right away and was like, Hey man, you're the comic tonight? He didn't come to the show. He was like, You're the comic tonight? I was like, Yeah, he goes, How'd you get into that, man? And I'm like, All right, I just walked in. I'm not trying I got a podcast that you can you're listen like, I'm to. I'm hungry. I don't I wanna <laughs> yeah. I don't wanna tell you my bio. Right. He's like, How'd you get into that, man? And I was like, I don't know, I was just bored and just went and did it. And then he was like, ha ha ha, and then he kept going with it. And I'm like, all right, dude. Like, uh, it's like, it's so weird. You know, I feel like the easy answer to any question like that, how'd you get into that, is, well, one day I decided to do it, and then I just did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm like, I actually, I wanted to be like, actually, I'm creating a podcast series right now where I'm talking all about how I got into it and how you can too. (laughs) But, uh, very nice guy. But I'm just like, all right, I'm hungry. I'm just told that there's no food. And the guy, the guy running the place, he was nice, but he was like, I think I got some fries back there I and bring you some fries. I'm like, nah, that's okay. He goes, I can probably put some cheese on it. I'm like, nah, I'm okay. I mean, that sounds delicious, but I, I was hoping to get a meal. Yeah. I've had uh, candy bars and crackers from the green room. I'd like a I'd like something. Yeah, you'd like something
0: that's not a starch.
1: <laughs> right, right. So uh, we ended up finding a place. We went to a place that was closing in 20 minutes. We got, we sat down. We, you know, I, I'm, I'm eating. I have a weird diet I'm following right now, so I'm finding the random things off the menu that I'd like to eat, and then, and then the waitress was very nice, and she gets that all. And then I knock over Aaron's water, and it spills in his lap, and then she has to clean it up, and then. Uh, it was a big mess. But you know what? We had a good time.
0: Wow. I'm sorry that happened to you, though, that f- the food de- debacle. Yeah,
1: I tipped well, and I felt like all was forgotten. You know what I mean? When what, I worked at a restaurant. What did
0: you end up eating?
1: Uh, I ate uh, regular noodles, just plain noodles. This is more of an Italian place, so I just got plain noodles, no sauce, and then I had garlic bread.
0: That's pretty close to fries, honestly.
1: Well, I don't—I'm not eating potatoes. Yeah. So that was— Yeah. I'm not eating potatoes, and I'm not eating cheese.
0: That that meal makes me sad for you. I'm sad that you had to well, just eat that.
1: Yeah, I mean, but, but the fries, yeah. I mean, it's one thing I'm not—I'm not eating fried stuff. I'm not eating cheese, and I'm not eating— uh, potatoes. It's a very sad diet that I'm on, but I feel great.
0: You are eating diatomaceous earth.
1: Yeah, I'm not. Yes, I'm not doing it to lose weight. I'm doing it because I, as you know, I burp all the time. It's like that my stomach is just out of control. I used to have acid reflux real bad. It's getting better every day. I'm eating diatomaceous earth and volcanic ash and, uh, and I'm doing a lot of smoothies. And when I can't get that stuff, it's hard so I just try to choose super basic stuff. I only had a little of the garlic bread. I think garlic's very good for me, uh, so I like right that. On. And I actually felt pretty good after eating that. But if I had eaten a plate of cheese fries, I would not have felt very good. Good for you. Because a lot of times it's if the guy had just I'm not eating potatoes, and not because I'm not trying. I'm not, I'm not trying to lose weight at all. I feel very good where I'm at. But
0: body positivity, right?
1: Yes. I feel like. So anyway, that show was fun. The food that we had was great. Um, We actually ate at a Chinese place on the way down and a Mexican place on the way back. Both disgusting. And uh, I like those foods. I like Chinese and Mexican food, but these places were disgusting. And then on Sunday, me and you and Connor and Aaron all got in the car and drove up to uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Aaron Weber and Connor Larson went with us. And we did a show, and I wasn't advertising this show that hard because it was a house show. I, I like fun shows like this. But my career going the way that it's going right now, I feel like that if I tell people I'm doing a show at a house, they think, oh, you can't find a better spot to do comedy than that. Things must not be going that well. And it's like, honestly, I like doing stuff like that. I like doing weird shows. I like getting my... and I. You know, and I like, and there's no club in Louisville, so I'm not competing with anybody anywhere. So it's fun. I went up there. Dan Alton ran the show, um, and uh, June, I think, was the the girl's house who owned it. I can't think of her last name, but it was a lot of fun. We got to go in there. It was a basement show. That's my dream is to own a house with a basement so that I can have my own private weird comedy shows. And I just thought it was a lot of fun, and I got to you know work on new jokes, got to play around a bit, and we went um, to a place, and and I just want to say, you know, I I enjoyed it. We had to run out of there because Aaron had a super early flight, but to anyone listening, we had a great time. We enjoyed working with the comics. Uh, There was a comic named uh, Rowan. Uh, Forget her last name. Uh, I'm terrible with names, but Rowan from Knoxville, Tennessee. She was very funny, and... um, so, we enjoyed it. Connor did great. Aaron did great. Hannah uh, didn't perform and uh, just hang, just hung. As a result, I did great. Yeah. You no, had a great time. I'm
0: really, really, I'm really good to travel with Dusty when I'm not also doing a show with him. Right. I'm a really good hang.
1: Yeah. We have a good time. Yeah. In our early days of dating, Hannah used to just go with me to shows.
0: And I, I was like, I'll just be your wife. I'll just be with you. And then I moved down here. I was like, no, I want I want to work. And now I'm like... Uh, maybe I'll and rest. I'm
1: trying to convince her to just travel with me and yeah. just share in the experiences with me and we're just going to have a good time.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to get a Southwest companion card.
1: Yeah, and then so and so that's where I've been and uh, and then where I'm going uh, tomorrow we're uh, headed down to my dad's house. We're going to do Fourth of July at his house. He's always done this Fourth of July thing and um, and I wasn't able to go for a long time. Because I was doing stuff on the 4th. And so this week, I'm in Atlanta at the Punchline on the 5th, 6th, and 7th. So Atlanta's not far from where my family lives. So I'm able to just scoot right up after visiting with him and uh, go do those shows. Those are going to be great shows. The Punchline is very fun. Aaron Weber will be featuring for me again. Not sure about the host. Actually, I think I may have gotten uh, information regarding that. Let's see if I did. And then if I did, I will tell you, uh, no, the host is to be determined. But uh, Aaron Weber will be featuring. It's going to be fantastic. A lot of my family is going to come. So I encourage people that I don't know to come to balance out the awkwardness I will feel doing comedy in front of my family.
0: And I'd like to give just a quick shout out um, to our American listeners. I'd like to say happy birthday to your nation. You guys did it another year. Way to go. Congratulations, America. Congratulations, Americans. Thank you, Anna. You're welcome.
1: And again, it's weird that this will be coming out on the 3rd and my show at the Grand Old Opry will be on the 2nd, but as it stands, I'm recording it today. Tonight, I'll be doing comedy at the Grand Old Opry, and Lee Greenwood, who sings the song Proud to be an American, will be there playing this song. Wow, that's
0: fun, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: When I was a kid, I wanted that song to be the national anthem. I don't know why, but I enjoyed it. I like the nice tambourine thing. That's not a tambourine. What is that, a cymbal? Yeah. And wow, I loved it. I still love that song. And uh, it's a great song. And the 4th of July, very fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy the fireworks. I enjoy the festivities.
0: I like the flags
1: on the houses. Yes. Yes. I do too. I enjoy it. It's a fun holiday. It's a great time for us to all celebrate. What a great place that we live. What a great free place that we live. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. And I'm excited about it. Yeah. And then, um, and it's a great time if you know, I mean, I'm no panderer, but if you know uh, a soldier, uh, it's a good time to thank them because these people have gone to war and risked their lives and some uh, have become very injured. And some have had real mental problems because of it. So, you know, if you see them out, whether you agree, you know, whether you're uh, for war or against it, those people still did a thing. That's uh, worth saying thank you for. Mm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, so if you see them, give them a shout out. And I would like to say, you know, thank you to those people, too. You know, I tried to be in the Army. I got arrested and never made it in. But I did try, and uh, I know what you go through in, a, in just the smallest of senses. I did take an Army physical, and that was enough to let me know, this is going to be tough. But then I never made it in. But so That's okay. an inspiring story, Dusty. Thank you. All right, and then we went – so a little food on the road, and then we'll get into uh, uh, week three of How to Become a Comedian.
0: Week three, season two.
1: Week three, season two, yes.
0: We're in season two, folks.
1: <laughs> yes, we How are. time flies. We are in season two. Said food on the road. Food on the road. And food on the road, we went to a place in Louisville called the Vietnam Kitchen or Vietnamese Kitchen. I should have looked that up, but uh, it was – delicious, delicious food we pulled up, we were a little early and we were like, oh we want to get some food so we looked up a place nearby where we were at and it was Vietnam Kitchen in Louisville, Kentucky and we went in and this guy come over waiting on us who was uh, clearly not Vietnamese he revealed to us later that he was Cuban and he recognized me and I took a picture with him and my picture could be on the wall in vietnam kitchen in louisville kentucky
0: yeah and vietnamese kitchen it was a real it was a real great choice by dusty because we arrived early and so we thought let's get some food in the area but it didn't really look like there was going to be any good food around you know there's a lot of kind of dilapidated strip malls around us but dusty just looked up a place closest to us and that's what popped up was vietnamese kitchen so we roll up and i'm thinking this looks gross i don't want to go here you know it's just like in between a laundry mat and a you know a rough looking grocery store but we walked in and the whole town was in there and i yeah. said oh we found the spot it was packed yeah
1: and, it was delicious and we loved it
0: and it took a long time and you know normally you don't want it to, it didn't really take a long time but it took longer than your average ha- fast food diner but you know that that's almost a good sign with asian food they're like they're really saturating the juices and and the and the and the vegetables and they're making it fresh
1: except blossom in hendersonville
0: yeah well, long time viewers know that we don't need to we don't need to explain ourselves.
1: All right. Because
0: so, Blossom and Hendersonville took twice the amount of
1: time. Yes. And, you know, I want uh, I've been getting a lot of feedback from people and I, I got some questions from people and I'd like to try to answer them and um, and discuss them. Um, but, you know, I just want to this is week three. Uh and uh, one season two. Season two. And one question that I got, uh, before we get into this, these are some questions from some of the others. And uh, Advice 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 to uh one one this is I got this one like just now. It says how does a comedian get opportunities to perform? How do you convince comedy clubs, private venues, and corporate events? To call you and schedule you. Uh, Hopefully you can answer this on the podcast. And I would say I do want to answer that question. But that – I've covered that in some of the older podcasts, so I don't want to rehash it again right now because that is where I want to get to in week seven, eight, and nine. Those three weeks, I've dedicated to really breaking it down. But I don't want to think that I'm not addressing it right now because I am in some of my later podcasts. And the reason that I'm doing this 10-part series is because I've mentioned things on the older podcasts, but I couldn't tell you what episode they're on. So that's why I'm trying to do this slowly and break it down piece by piece so that when people do ask me these questions, I can refer them to a specific episode where I addressed it. But I can say... That it's not easy. That question that you're asking is not easy. It's always a struggle getting yourself booked. Uh, Doing your own booking is very hard. And it takes a lot of patience, a lot of persistence, and a lot of politeness. My three Ps of getting booked. So so I will say that. And then this is another question. And uh, this question was... Uh, Do you think there is an achievement in comedy today that is equivalent to The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson? Listening to comics that came up in that time, that always seems to be their benchmark for success, and I'm curious what today's comics consider that sort of achievement that can change things for a comic seemingly overnight. Um, I will say that I know that during that time, or at least I hear during that time, if you – nailed it on johnny carson then you ended up with a tv show right but i just think things are more difficult in a lot of ways now because there's so many different mediums and there's so many different people watching different things that if you got the tonight show there was maybe three or four channels on tv everybody and there was no internet everybody was watching that so that Everybody seeing you all at once and finding you funny meant that if you were booked in their town, they were going to come see you. So that's why that had that kind of thing. But honestly, I mean, doing The Tonight Show for me, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, uh, really changed my career. I mean, I had a good set on there, and it set me up to get uh, an agent, and it set me up to get a manager that uh, was really going out and doing uh, work for me. And so, I mean, my career has changed since doing the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. What do you think, Hannah? Is there a is there another thing that you can think about that would be considered that level?
0: I think the short answer is no, because it's so different now culturally. But the first thing I thought of in terms of something changing overnight, and I mean, is basically if you go viral. Yes. I mean, because if like our friend DJ Pryor from nashville went viral two weeks ago and he went from having i don't know maybe a thousand instagram followers to over a hundred thousand instagram followers yeah who
1: knows and and booking a denny's commercial him and his kid have a denny's commercial yeah
0: so in terms of like overnight fanned fans fans i think the internet
1: does that i think you're right viral viral is the way yeah but even that
0: but it's not the same as, as Johnny Carson because it doesn't necessarily give you a career, but it gives you fans, which gives you money.
1: Right. And fa- and then you can get booked at comedy clubs because you can bring people. And then uh, if you can sell out a comedy club, I mean, that's all you need is the ability to sell out a comedy club. I say that's all you need, but that's very difficult.
0: Well, but also if you have a lot of followers on Instagram, you can sell, you can sell things. Yes.
1: And I also had someone ask me, they said I broke down the heat index joke and they wanted to know about a joke that I have called the letters of the alphabet off my first album and how could I break that down and talk about that. I don't think that, I'm going to do what I have written down and and if uh, I have time After, I'll I'll go into that a little bit, but I think that could be something for another time. I would like to talk about that, but it's such a unique joke. If you haven't heard it, it's on YouTube, it's on Spotify, or you can just go buy it on iTunes. Either way is fine with me, Um, and it's called Letters of the Alphabet or The Alphabet Story. I actually don't remember what it's called, Uh, but anything – I only have one track called Alphabet Anything, and that's it. So if you want to give that a listen, I think that's pretty fun. That bit, actually, writing that, uh, I wrote it with another person. And then before I put it on the album, I got some input from a couple other comics. So there's a lot of hands in that joke. But the basic skeletal things are me and a friend named John Brennan. And uh, uh, and it just I just would write and write and write and just would think about that joke all the time and just come up with different things. And that's, you know, to me, that's... You know, just the way that you can do things is just continuing to think about a joke. If you have a joke that you want to work on, let that occupy your mind all the time because you're going to be thinking about it all the time, and then you're going to be coming up with things and write it down, try it out, work work on it. And now I'm going to get to week three where I wrote all this stuff down, so I'll be reading it and uh, seemingly, you know, I know this. This this podcast, taking it the direction we've taken it, is more serious than funny. But, you know, I have two albums and I have a lot of videos. If you want to see me be funny, check that stuff out because I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do some stuff. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm trying to get serious on it. Actually, I'm having a great time.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think that it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want.
1: I just was listening to a pod I was listening to the Mark Norman podcast the other day. Uh a little bit they he was talking a bit about coming to Nashville and it's pretty funny. Uh and I just thought, wow, they're really funny on this podcast. Yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, but 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 were they, you know,
1: it's like it was just
0: so jokey that it's like are they yeah. they must be exhausted.
1: I know. That well that's what I think. I, that's what I always tell people. I like doing comedy because it's allowed me to be a real person in real life, right? It used to be my whole life. If anybody is listening that knew me in high school or even younger, I mean, I just was, just was wild. I was just running around doing all these things. I would fall down and fake a seizure, and I just was doing everything I could do to get a laugh. And then when I found stand-up comedy, I'm like, oh, I got my laughs now. Now I can just exist as a regular person. Yeah, when
0: I talk to New York City comedians, I just want to be like, breathe. (laughs) Just breathe. (laughs) Like, not everything has to be a joke. You don't have to find a punchline in between your pulse.
1: (laughs) I love it. All right. Week three.
0: Season two.
1: All right. I've titled this Keep Working. At this point, you should have done several open mics, seen several shows, watched comics, write jokes, watched comics, wrote jokes, studied comics, and read books about comedy. But what now? Now you keep working. Your journey has just begun. Unless you've seen some special circumstances, then you still have a job. All right. Let me start over here. (laughs) I can't read my own writing. What happened? Unless you have some special circumstances, then you still have a job and are trying to juggle open mics and your job. Get used to it. You are in comedy college. Does this make sense? Yeah. Even though I'm giving you an update weekly, you can be in this stage for years. Get used to it. Enjoy it. Comedy must become what you do and what you think mine your brain for memories of funny things that have happened to you, Uh, even things that aren't funny, just weird and unique. Try to make them funny. Hopefully at this point you found a friend you can write jokes with, someone who is also funny and honest with you. In the early years of comedy, I had friends that I wrote jokes with, and they would be brutally honest with me about what they thought was funny and what they didn't. Write things about yourself. That helps you be original. Take into consideration the climate we live in today and know that you aren't going to get very far with politically incorrect jokes. If you want to alienate yourself from the comedy community, then go for it. Remember, you are still becoming a comic and you need all the stage time you can get. Make friends, not enemies. The comedy community is full of people from all walks of life, and for a lot of people, this might be the very first friend group they've ever had. Be nice to them. Encourage people when you can and always be welcoming to the new people. I decided years ago that I wanted to make the kind of comedy that would make everyone happy. Because of that, in some ways, I've made it harder on myself. In other ways, I've trained my brain to think a certain way and I pay attention to things that are going to help me be successful as a comic. If you're just a hobbyist with comedy, then you don't have to worry about all that. But even if you are just a hobbyist, uh, don't you want to be the type of person that brings joy to people? After all, isn't that why you like making people laugh, knowing that you've made someone happy for a brief moment? You following along with me? Yeah, I am riveted. Is anything been confusing? Nah. Okay. Next thing, stage time. This is vital to getting better. I used to do comedy open mics, poetry open mics, music open mics, I opened for local bands, I hosted events, I did improv, and eventually I was booked on actual comedy shows, and then I started running my own shows. But that part will be its own episode. I'm going to do a whole episode on running your own shows. Almost everyone likes to laugh. I say almost everyone because one time when I was just getting into comedy, I was trying to impress a girl, and I said, Do you like stand-up comedy? And she said, not really, but most people like it. (laughs) (laughs) So as long as you are respectful and funny, most live shows don't mind having a little comedy. I did almost all of these things for free. For several years, I made no money at all in comedy. I was like an unpaid intern. Live and breathe comedy. Now, if you're married and have kids and are starting comedy, understand that your family may not understand. Be respectful of that. It's not your family's fault that you're doing this. It will just be harder for you, but not impossible.
0: (laughs) I like that. It's not your family's fault that you're doing this.
1: Right. Well, that's what I've seen people say this, right, that they've they've I've talked to comics that are a little older and they've gotten to comedy and they're like, my wife just doesn't get. That I, This is a dream of mine. And it's like, well, you're 40 years old, and you've been working a nine-to-five job for as long as she's known you. And suddenly now you're gone every night sitting in a room with 30 other dudes telling jokes about their dicks. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, she may be a little confused by it. So work with them. Be nice to them. You know what I mean? They're, they're your support group, and if your your family loves you, they're going to support you. You may not be able to go out five nights a week. Pick two nights a week that you go out and then make sure they... I don't know. I don't have kids. I can't tell you how to balance it with your family. But I'm just telling you, they may not get it. Be cool with them. Write, perform, record, watch, repeat. That's important. Write, perform, record, watch, repeat. You got to write jokes all the time. You got to be performing. You got to record them and then you have to watch yourself over and over again. Always be writing something new, but also know that a joke is never really complete, and don't be afraid to change the wording, especially if it's not working. If several audiences don't get it, then it's not funny, at least not in its present form. Rewrite it until you find it. It will be worth it when it finally works. Don't worry about repeating jokes at open mics. Just don't do the same exact set at every mic If you are, then you aren't working hard enough. Don't waste the time of the people at the open mic. If you don't get five minutes on stage, uh, but you're done. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. If you get five minutes on stage, but you're done in three, don't stand up there and go, uh, what else? Prepare better next time. The people at the open mic will appreciate you respecting their time. That being said, don't go over, no matter how well you think you're doing. If the audience is disappointed you got off early, that's a good thing. Also remember, be patient, be respectful. Spend money at the venue that's hosting comedy and tip well. If you don't drink, buy a Coke and tip well. If you don't drink Coke, buy a bottled water and tip well. If they don't have bottled water, get a free water and tip even better. This will all pay off. Be patient. Very good. And that's what I have written down.
0: Okay, well, I have a few follow up questions. Okay. Um, Because you were talking about be respectful of the venue, buy a beverage. Um, So, when I lived in Toronto, you know, which is sort of, you know, Canada's New York City, there was a, a potential basically every night where you could hit multiple mics or multiple shows. You could hit a mic and then you could go to your show. And I always felt bad for leaving. Like, I always felt like I remember one guy told me, he's like, when I'm at a mic, I go up. As long as I don't go up super late, whenever I go up, I stay for at least three comics after me. Now, I know, you know, New York City and L.A. comics are like, no, I leave immediately. There's, like, there's nothing. But in, in smaller markets like Nashville, it, it's really noticeable. If, if, if say, you're, you're booked on a show and you go up, in the first half of the show, and then you just bounce.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for New York and L.A. and the big city markets like that because I've never lived there. I have spent time in it, and I can tell. I did a month in New York City, and I can say that comics really noticed that I stuck around. I would come to the open mic. I would stay for the whole thing. It would be boring. It would be painful, But people really noticed that I stuck around. And people in that month, I really got to know people, and people really enjoyed having me around because I would be an audience member. I would buy things. I mean, in that month, I made no money, but I spent a lot of money because some of these open mics cost $5 to do. Some were $5 and buy a drink, some were just buy a drink. But I spent a lot of money, but I prepared for it. You know, it's. So much of everything is about preparation. And that's what I want to try to do with this is help people. But to answer your question, I think if you live in a small market, especially markets where there's only one mic a night, I would say get there 30 minutes before it begins and stay the whole time.
0: Yeah, I I'm, think so too. And I think, I mean, I know that's just like a people-pleasing part of me, but even when I lived in a big city where it was just – You know, common etiquette to just bounce around to different mics, come, uh, like show up halfway through and demand to get on, then bounce. But, you know, Maybe it's kind of like, all right, if that's what happens in your city, okay, that's cool. That's the grind. But you can't really successfully pull that off until you're well-liked and have friends and right. are and are esteemed as a good comedian.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully you'll reach a point where people just are happy that you're around and happy that you come to the open mic. So you can kind of come and go as you please. But, you know, I mean, I just think, uh, especially if you're wanting to get involved with the community. I mean, I was just telling Hannah last night. I mean, when I lived in Charleston, I hosted an open mic. I knew everyone's jokes. So when I did a going away party, I had a going away party where I did some comedy. uh, I basically did one of everybody's jokes that was there. That Everybody that came to my party, I did one of their jokes on stage because I knew their jokes. And that created a real camaraderie amongst our comedy community. And I think that if you're in a small community. I mean, the best thing to do is to bond, is to hang out together. And the best way to bond is is to support each other. If you're watching each other and you have an idea, you go, oh man, that's a really great joke right there. Have you ever thought about saying this? I think it's important to always be respectful of how you give people joke ideas, but I think it's okay. I mean, I've seen a lot of people post now, uh, a lot of it does come from women that will say, "Oh, men always trying to tell me how to write their jokes." But um, I think it's all about how you approach people, right? My old mentor, Stu Barber, uh, used to tell me that if you if you see a lady that's loading something into her into her car and it's it looks too heavy, don't go up there and say, "Do you need help with that?" Say. Can I help you with that? Right? See, it's a completely different way to see it. See, when you say, do you need help with that? In their mind, they're like, no, I don't need help with it. But you're just trying – even if you're just trying to be polite, you say, can I help you with – or do you need help with that? They're now sensitive to it because you've – you said, no, I don't need help. I can do it myself. But if you go, can I help you with that, then the, the response might be, Sure. I'd love some help.
0: Yeah. I mean, people talk about minor aggressions, but there's also, you know, minor attractions. You know, there's subtle things you can do yeah. to uh, make people like you more or to make yourself a more agreeable person. Now, I'm not Jordan Peterson, so I'm not giving you – I'm not trying to give you 12 rules to life, but it is interesting that that kind of – well, I just
1: I just think it's important to, to, to recognize what you're asking, being mindful of what you're saying. I mean, uh, essentially, if you're walking up to someone and you're saying, do you need help with that? You're essentially saying to them, you look weak. I'm strong. Let me give you a hand. But if you just go, hey, can I help you with that? Then that's saying, hey, I'm a friend and this looks like a two person job and there's only one person here. Let me be that second person for you. Yeah, I think that if you're going to give people jokes, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, they'd be like, hey, not that I am in any place to give you jokes, but I, I have an idea. And I, I love when people give me joke ideas, but especially other comics. I love it. I'm, I'm, most of the time, I'd say 80% of the time, I don't use their joke idea, maybe even higher than that. But I never mind it. Because I've had other comics, especially when I was in Charleston, in that community that we were in, I had people uh, all the time give me joke ideas, give me tags, and, and I would do the same for them. And we built this whole community based on supporting each other, helping each other, and we grew tight as a group, and our our scene was really thriving at the time because we weren't competing with each other. We were trying to help each other get better because – what is that saying? uh, uh
0: Two heads are better than one.
1: Well, yeah, that's a saying. But there's Strength like, in numbers. There's something about uh, that, uh, the rising tide rises all boats.
0: Lifts all boats?
1: Lifts all boats, yeah.
0: Rising tide lifts all boats,
1: yeah. Something like that. Yeah. The point is that— There's a
0: few different idioms out there.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Check them out. Teamwork, I think, is probably the best one.
1: All right. What other questions?
0: Uh, Well, this is something you bring up a lot, and it's definitely something that I associate with you and your etiquette as a comedian is showing up 30 minutes early. Because, I I mean, I I get that like with Zany's, our local hometown club, that's sort of what the owners require of you. And if you're like five minutes late, they're like, where are you? Um, But that's not true for most clubs. Like, I've definitely shown up 15 minutes before. So why do you like 30 minutes, and why do you like 30 minutes even for,
1: like, an open mic? Well, uh, this is why I like it. I mean, I've showed up to so many places, especially when I go to bigger cities, and I feel a bit like an idiot. Like, I I show up to clubs even as the headliner sometimes, and I'm there before the feature and before the host. And I feel like I look like an idiot. But... I hate being late. I think it's very rude when people are late. I think that if you're at any job – I mean, now, you look at my past work history, uh, that's questionable. But as a grown person, as a person that's grown up, uh, I think it's very important to be late – I (laughs) are very important to be on time. I had a boss. I used to have a job where there was no set time that I could be there. My boss made some arbitrary time, and he said, I want you there by this time. But it didn't matter when I showed up to work. So I really fought with him on that. And I think that if you ask him, I was late all the time. But there was no time to be there. But if you're doing a show and that show starts at 7.30, you showing up at 7, even aiming to show up at 7 gives you 30 minutes of leeway if you end up hitting traffic and and but if you plan you know and you're and you're 15 minutes later than what you wanted to be you're still 15 minutes early but if you're like okay if i leave my house now i'll be there at 7:25 and the show starts at 7:30 but then you hit traffic now you're late traffic is not an excuse unless it's just some crazy unusual traffic yeah. You know, and I just think it's important to be on time, especially when you're new, especially when you're trying to establish yourself in a community. You want to be someone that's on I remember one time me and my buddy we really wanted to help this comic. We really wanted to help him write jokes. And so we took we said, All right, we'll meet you here, one at o'clock at this place. Me and my buddy both showed up there. The comic we offered to help was like fifteen minutes late. And it's like we're both less interested in helping you because you You wasted our time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, don't – and if you're going to show up late, don't show up late with a coffee in your hand.
1: (laughs) Right, or – yes.
0: Because that's sort of like unacceptable. And
1: honestly, if you want – if you're doing open mic – this is another thing. If you're doing open mics and you want to be drunk and high all the time, uh, that's fine. But maybe don't tell people that you're drunk and high all the time and uh, don't let it affect you. I mean it's going to affect you. But don't show up drunk, being like I'm wasted. You know what I Unless mean? Unless
0: you're 22 and it's cool, man.
1: <laughs> right? I'm just saying. The point is, if you you want to have you want to have hidden addictions and stuff like that, just just keep them hidden. You know what I mean? Out of sight, out of mind, kind of thing. Don't ask, don't tell. Does that make sense? Yeah. What else you got? I think that's it. I wish that we could take live call-ins somehow. Yeah. To to. Re-
0: I mean, we it. can. We just need to figure out how to do it.
1: I just want to, um, you know, maybe go back through here a couple of things and just say, you know, it's like early on. I mean, you're going to have a job. You're going to a lot of chances are you're going to have a full-time job, and you're going to be doing com. You're going to be doing open mics, so it's just finding that balance. I mean, don't be afraid if you do open mics every night of the week and you work in the morning for. Week after week after week and you burn yourself out, it's okay to take a little bit of a break. You know, you need to take a week off, take a week off. If you wanna only I mean, there's gonna be comics out there that go, You gotta be it every open mic, every night of the week, all the time, all the time, all the time. And I agree with that to an extent, but pace yourself. You know, don't you don't have to get so insane with it that that you're so burned out and you begin to hate comedy. I mean, take your t- I mean, for the first several years while I had a full-time job, I was doing like two open mics a week. Now, granted, it's going to take you a lot longer to get better if that's all you're doing, but you know, take your time, pace yourself. It wasn't until I actually quit my full-time job and took a part-time job that I really got heavier into comedy, but that all coincided with me quitting drinking. I quit drinking, I quit the job, I had a part-time job, and then I got to do more comedy. So it's all about a process, but I'm going to get to that all as we go along. But I just think that this – I just think that week two and week three of what I've done might seem like uh, like it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to give as an advice for comics. But I just think it's all about the pacing. These, Like I said in there is this is week three, but this could be year two for you. I mean it's like this is going to take a while you're going to you know what's going to happen is you're going to you're going to get started doing comedy you're going to become better and you're going to make friends and now you got to keep working week 4 getting booked locally that's what next week's going to be out. how to get booked on local shows that's what that that next week's going to be about but all of this is a process you have to cr- I mean, you might be some anomaly that comes onto the scene immediately. Everyone loves you. You're hilarious. Uh, Right away, people are like, I want to book you on my show. That may happen. But my steps are not for those people.
0: Yeah. And every scene has their darlings, you know, that kind of come out of the gate with 15 minutes or something. Yeah. But most comedians, you know, it's awesome. Like now that Dusty and I have been doing comedy for a long time, I've lived in several different cities and have been a part of a few different communities and and run different open mics and I've run different shows and I remember I ran a a pretty good open mic in Toronto for a few years and you know there there'd be these young comics that would come in and they would come to my mic every week and they were terrible they were so bad there I was just just like ugh like I can think of like five of them And now they're, you know, the darlings of Toronto comedy, you know, but it was just like they weren't good their first two years. They just they just bombed all the time. They didn't know how to tell a joke. They didn't know how to write a joke, but they just stuck at it. And then, you know, one day I show up and I see them on stage and it's just like, oh, wow, they figured it out. That's it's so neat to see it. And so it's just like, you know, be patient.
1: Yes. It's so much about patience because. I, I, I've always had uh, a, you know, a passion for wanting to find like, the worst comic on the open mic scene and, and make them good. right? I just want to make them good. But I can't make anyone good. But I can lay out steps that I believe if you follow those steps, you will become good. You may not become great. You may never be a professional working comic.
0: You should do 12 steps to late night.
1: But you could <laughs> become good by following these steps and at, le- at the very least enjoy yourself I just know that there's a lot of comics or, or, or a lot of people that decide to do comedy they do a couple of open mics and they make a bunch of friends and I know a lot of these people have, have never really been a part of a friend group so they, they make these friends and now they're in this community finally for the first time in their life and, and it makes them so happy I see the kind of joy that it brings people to 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 be able to have this group and it it just makes me happy to see it happen and but I can I also see these people burn out like they become so bad at comedy their jokes are never good and they get real filthy their jokes become so disgusting that they start to walk audience members and when you walk the audience, you're you're losing points. I mean, if there was a social scale at all, walking people, in my mind, loses you points so fast as a comic. Now, that doesn't mean – sometimes people are going to get up and leave during the show. That doesn't mean you walk them. And if And if somebody walks because they're bored with you, that's one thing. But I've seen comics go up and be so – like there will be ten of us in a room. There will be the second – there will be ten comics – An audience of 20 people. This comic is the second one on the lineup. They go up and they're so disgusting that when their set's done, half the audience gets up and walks out. Now the rest of us that could have entertained that audience now has less of a good audience. Don't be the person that walks the audience. So I see this happen. They start walking the audience, and then they stop getting booked on things. And then they start to lose the friend group that they've that they've really enjoyed having. And then they'll kind of take off from the scene and form their own little side of the scene where they just get bitter and hate everyone. So I think that if you follow these steps— I've been a part of that scene before. <laughs> yeah, I think that if you—now, if you, now I've been not liked on a scene before by—, by You know, weirdo people. I don't understand. But if you if you
0: are a part of like not the darlings community where you find where you just tell all of your friends, that you guys are each hilarious. uh, And then all the people that are getting booked a lot and are getting all these opportunities suck and that they're hack and that they're this and that they're that. It's it's your attitude. You got a bad attitude and you're hanging out with people with bad attitudes.
1: Yes. Yes. The three P's of comedy politeness persistence patience yeah I mean it's so key it's so key to just remain polite I mean they're gonna be people in any field uh, that irritate you I mean I've been I've had so many jobs and there have been people that I didn't like at every one of those jobs and there's people I don't like in comedy um, but that doesn't mean that you have to be rude to them that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean they're not worthy of your politeness you may not like them but they're still worthy of common courtesy. do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like you know people deserve respect, and sometimes you know people's anger that they have and their bitterness comes from maybe something that they're dealing with that you don't know about. So it's like being polite to them, you may be the only person that was nice to them all day because I think the natural response when someone's rude to you or some is to is to be like, I'm gonna be rude to them too. But you're just adding, you know, fuel to a fire. That maybe what that person needs is just somebody to be nice to them and say, "Hey, I really liked that one joke that you did about whatever it was." But actually have a you know actually have a have a thing in mind. Remember that 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 idea of a, a genuine, specific compliment. Yeah. You know, I've seen people that were were awful comedians, and they had not one joke. That was worthy of complimenting. But yet, seeing them on stage, they commanded the stage. They really had a good stage presence. And I'd say to them, I really like how you take control of the stage. You seem very comfortable up there. Somebody out there may be in need of just one compliment. Be that person that gives them that compliment. Yeah. And a real one the girl with the huge breast on your scene don't go love your tits that's not a compliment well <laughs> i don't know unless you're
0: a, another woman saying it to another woman <laughs>
1: right right
0: i guess i, mean, I guess I, the, the last year i only get sexually harassed by other women
1: but it's like it's like that's the thing though finding real real ways to compliment people finding a joke that you really enjoy uh my friend, uh, I saw my friend Renard Hirsch out last night, and he had a joke that I had never heard before. And uh, I, I complimented him on it, and he said, uh, uh, That's an old joke that I tried once. It didn't work, but I kept it in a notebook, and I decided to try it again tonight. So potentially, I don't know, maybe he's. Still doesn't like it. I think it went really well. But me complimenting him on that hopefully gives him the – because this is what he said, and this is what I think is important because it's a rule of three joke. He said, I put the joke aside, and then I decided to come up with some new examples for the rule of three. And then then he's like, I liked it a lot better. And that's a great example of what I said about the heat index a couple weeks ago, putting the joke aside – and then coming back to it when when you feel good about it. Great. You feel good? Yeah. All right. So, all right, that's going to end uh, the advice to comics section. I Please uh, send in your – gross, I got some chocolate on the back of that. Yeah, chocolate. Uh, sorry. Uh, send in you – know, I had a notebook. I remember what it was. I had uh, this uh, notebook in my backpack, and I had some chocolate – Covered almonds in oh. there, and I spilled some of them out in there. Just some free radical <laughs>
0: chocolate-covered almonds just yeah, so, milling about in your bag, eh? It's
1: on my notebook there. yeah. So I all better right. check that out. I thought I got all those out of there. I better check that out. All that right. was the day I, I- think
0: I better check that out. I'm
1: looking for some little salty sweet right or, now. Well, that was the day I spent the entire day at the airport, so okay. I was stressed out. Mm-hmm. Um, so All right, so uh, please send in your comments, and if, and if you've sent me a question- and I didn't get to it, send that question to me again. I won't be annoyed by it, and I want to make sure that I'm getting organized and getting these questions out. And next week... Oh, yeah, so prepare for next week. What I'm going to do next week is I'm going to do uh, getting booked locally, how to get booked locally. So send me questions that you have about that, and then I'll try to answer those. I mean, I'm going to write up my own thing, but I'd like to answer all your questions to the best of my ability. Like I say, some, some of these... There's no clear path with comedy so so none of them have uh, this might not be a clear answer. So, Hannah. We'll be riding wild side. All right. Let's do this. Let's talk about a couple of things. Music. Who's somebody you've been listening to this last week?
0: I mean, I guess Alison Krauss.
1: Alison Krauss. I
0: haven't been rediscovering any cool music like I have the past few
1: weeks. Wonderful though, Alison Krauss. Wonderful. I think we might have talked about this before, but the album, um, maybe, is the album, right? Yeah. Did we play any of that, those songs? I don't think so. Um,
0: Remember, we listened to Oh Atlanta, and we were trying to figure out what her what that lyric was. Oh,
1: that's a good one. Uh, that's a really good one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't jam out to Alison Krauss, but. You know, if I'm cleaning the kitchen and I want some smooth, peaceful music, an angelic voice, I'll throw on some Allison Let's Krauss. play a
1: little of Oh, Atlanta. Okay. great song great great Allison Krauss krause is great i also like the album uh, maybe and it is a pretty sad album but uh very fun and then i've been listening to me and me and aaron went on this road trip and he had me listening to ashley mcbride someone that i had never listened to before but i um uh i really enjoyed it and um she had this song that it was basically, I, I don't know if it was about her dad or whatever, but it's called Bible and a 44. And uh, man, it was good. I'm going to play a little bit of that. He had a southern drawl like a red bone hound and every song he sang was my favorite sound be the last
0: one off if a ship went down. The kind of it feels good
1: to be around. I think I'm going to cry. I know, it's sad, isn't oh it? Oh my gosh. It's such a good song. And Every uh,
0: woman just immediately thinks of <laughs> her dad or the dad she wants.
1: Ashley McBride, Bible, and a 44. I mean, I'm listening to that with Aaron in the garden. I'm about to cry. Yeah, I, know I was like, <laughs> oh
0: man, I love this dude. This guy sounds like a solid dude.
1: These are the comedians we like. And then, uh, all right, so comedy. Uh, I asked Hannah, uh, it, neither of us, I think, have been listening to a lot of comedy, but she mentioned Todd Berry. Todd Berry's always been a favorite of mine. I saw him at Clusterfest. Actually, I've gotten to know Todd Berry a little bit. You've worked with him. I've worked with him a couple of times. It's pretty cool to... Uh, you know, on, on the ride that you know that we're on in comedy is that uh, you know some of the people that I've just been fans of, uh, I've become friends of. I mentioned John Reap last week, and I'm not as good of friends with Todd Barry as I am John Reap. but Todd Barry was at, at at one of my shows in Clusterfest, and then when I was done, a guy came up to me and he said he said, "Hey, Todd Barry was really laughing at your jokes." And he said Todd Perry was laughing and then looking around to see if other people were laughing at your jokes. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, that's great. That is a really good compliment because I feel like Todd Berry's the kind of guy that could easily not like other people." <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I like Todd.
0: I hung out with Todd when he was here. He had a split weekend with Joe Mackey, who is also another funny female uh, female uh, comedian in New York. Yeah. But so Todd would have the early shows and then just kind of pop out, go get dinner or something, and he'd show up like halfway through Joe's show, and uh, and I'm like, hey Todd, welcome back. What made you want to come back? He's like, I just want to see how many tickets Joe sold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: he he is the way he is on on stage is the same as he is off stage, right? Yeah. So so. It's like this, this guy just thinks this way, but he's got that sour delivery or whatever that dry delivery that you're never quite sure if that's a joke or if he's just that wry. <laughs> yeah, but either way, it's pretty amusing. I
1: always like seeing him. I, I end up running in him, into him quite a bit when I'm at you know some of the bigger festivals or at uh, in New York. Uh, the, when I did the Tonight Show, uh, I. Uh, The the booker took me around to a couple of bars, and Todd was at at one of them, and it was just fun to see him. Yeah. Fun to see him and him know who I am. Yeah. I think that's great. And then I wanted to uh, mention being the July 4th, for years and years, me and my friends, uh, Evan Burke and Vince Fabra, we did a tour. We would go to Seaside, Florida. We would go, um, you know, and then we would try to attach a bunch of other gigs to it. Actually, me and Hannah were just talking about last night. I mean, one of those tours, one of the, the – fi- actually, I think the final one that we all did together, Hannah went on it with us. And that's where I started wearing the hat was on that tour. I mean, I always kind of wore the hat for fun in the car or whatever, but I started wearing it on that tour – And then after the tour is the first time I wore it on stage was at Crackers in Indianapolis. And I just had so much fun. But I wore the hat on local news in Montgomery, Alabama. And it just was so fun to me to wear that I've wanted to wear that hat ever since. The original hat still sits here at the house, but it's very old and very dirty. And I'm afraid to wash it because I'm afraid it'll fall apart. But... It I love it and I just am so happy. And but so I'm sad that, you know, this would be the week that I would be gearing up to go with Evan and Vince to Seaside, Florida, and we haven't done it in years. Evan lives in Atlanta. Vince is now a homeowner and a dad. He has two daughters, a fairly newborn daughter, and he's just got responsibilities. He's still doing comedy, but he just can't take off a week like that, and neither can Evan and uh, and also i have gigs so it's it's harder to do but i uh, you know Vince always had a great joke i don't know if it's available anywhere but he had a nice he's like people people are always hung over on the 5th now because of july 4th you know but he's like can you imagine that first july 5th hangover in 1776 they wake up in the morning they're like what happened last night <laughs> are we an independent sovereign nation now <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> and it was always so great. I That's fun
0: because it's a history joke.
1: Yeah, I love seeing Vince do that joke. And Vince is very funny. He is still doing comedy, but, you know, he's he's an example of someone with a family trying to do comedy, and it is a bit harder. And uh, But uh, he's doing great, and Evan works for TMZ now. He lives out in L.A. He's on TV all the time with TMZ, and... It's exciting stuff. It's exciting that my that my friends are are doing good things and uh, and uh, you know Derek Humphrey went on that tour with us one time and Derek's running a good show up in New York doing a lot of comedy, really getting into it. And uh, Jordan Jensen went on the tour with us one time and she is uh, you know I think she's doing well in comedy. And uh, even Danny Green, uh, he didn't he never did the July Fourth tour, but one time me and Danny went down and just did a few shows around Christmas. Uh, in seaside so shout out to my seaside friends uh i miss seeing them i miss hanging with them we had a really great time down there and uh but hopefully we will be back there again and uh now seaside florida is where they shot the truman show it is where they shot the truman show and I went down there this past year with some of my friends from Opelika. We went down to 30A is what, that, what that's called. And uh, my friend, he owns a condo down there. And we stayed. And then we ended up going down to, to Seaside. And I saw a few of my old friends that work at that sea, Seaside Repertory Theater. And uh, uh, it's a great time. But listen, I hope this is helpful to people. And uh, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Um, but unless there's something you want to add, Hannah. say I don't know what that means. It's finished. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, and we're having a good time.